A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 101 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store today, a jam-packed episode with all the news and signings and injuries and whatnot that have gone on. We have a jam-packed episode, and we're going to break it all down, and with me to do so, my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, are you... How excited are you that we just have actual moves and news to talk about that's not lockout based? I'm tired, man. I'm telling you, I've, been, <laughs> I've literally, I think I've written up like every one of these. I was yep. you know, doing the news desk of Fantasy Pros Plus, doing a, a daily article about the fantasy impact of all of it. I know you're doing it for fan tracks. I'm tired. I've been staying up late covering it. Today's actually been kind of nice. It's been slower. Though it's like we have all these big names left and it's like, all right, spring training games are starting soon. Like, where are these guys signing? So I think the floodgates are going to open really soon. Maybe while we're recording, that'd be fun to to break a, a signing or a trade. Like, that'd be a blast. But we'll right. see. It's been, it's been fun. It has been fun. I'm tired, but it's been a fun time. I cannot complain. Yeah, absolutely. And for those wondering, it is currently 8.30 p.m. East Coast time. So if you're listening to this on uh, Wednesday morning, and you're like, hey, why don't you guys talk about this signing that happened at 10 p.m.? That's why. So it happened after. But hopefully we can catch some breaking news here. But it's looking pretty slow. So maybe it's a calm before the storm or maybe it's going to be a slow day. Biggest signing was Colin McHugh going <laughs> to the Braves, which is which is it's Colin McHugh. So that's not really anything of noteworthy. Um, my, my favorite rumor of the day, though, is the Chris Bryant to Colorado. Like, who wants to go to call like especially if you're someone like of chris bryant stature guys won an mvp still a, a pretty good player in this league why would you want to go to colorado i just i don't understand it i mean i wish i wish i understood but i i, <laughs> I mean he he could probably hit 315 there so for fantasy like 
value up his stock oh, yeah. take off. I, I love it for that. And why? But why? He? Why would you want to go play on a a losing I mean, team? Unless just, m- money is more important to you than winning. Yeah, he has the World Series from from 2016 with the Cubs. But like, I'm sorry, Rockies fans. I love all y'all, but the Rockies have no chance of winning a World Series anytime soon. It took one of the most miraculous and weird winning streaks back in 2007 to even get to the World Series. And then a much better Red Sox team swept them in four games. So I, I just don't get why anybody of any, you know, elk of Chris Bryant's nature would want to go to Colorado. This is random, but do you know any Rockies fans? I really can't think of any. Uh... That's a good question. I know we have what, one. We have at least one listener of the show that has tweeted us in the past about Rockies. I remember that. Is it that but dusty Colorado guy? It might be. Yeah, you're right. But outside of that, I'm trying to think, and I'm drawing a blank. I don't even think nobody on Twitter or I have no friends in that in the Colorado area. Yeah, I don't think I do, <laughs> which uh, is not overly surprising. But obviously, I live in Maine, so it's not that odd to not know any Rockies fans over here in Maine. But all right, enough of that. We have a jam-packed show, but let's get that housekeeping out of the way first. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm Eric Cross 04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us. And, of course, check out all the other great work we have on the Fantrax HQ network, including our 2022 draft kit. And check out our other great podcast, SP Streamer. They go a lot of good stuff over there, and they'll be adding some more shows uh, in the near future, too. So be on the lookout for those as well. Let's get right into it. We kind of are breaking this down into three different kind of segments of the show. We'll start with all just the news, like not not a transaction all news, but just like all the news stories and storylines that have broken over the last couple few days. Um, and then we'll get into some signings after the break, which have been, yeah, there's been a few decent ones, but that'll kind of be a little tame in that area. And then all that we'll finish up with all the trades that have happened over the last couple of days. A lot of good ones. The Texas-Minnesota trade, and then the Minnesota Yankees trade, Cincinnati trade, a couple of trades there, the Olsen trade today. So a lot of fun stuff. But let's start with two top five players. Like It's it's unfortunate that when the season kicks off on April 7th, we're not going to have Tat- Fernando Tatis Jr. or Ronald Acuna Jr. in action. Acuna said that he's if it was up to him, he'd be playing, but obviously it's not up to him. So we may be looking at closer to a May 1st. Return, we'll see there. He did say he felt 95% for what it's worth, but um, so we won't have him right away. And then Tatis Jr. fractured his wrist out three months. That puts him closer to the all-star break. So, man, Chris, what are you – first of all, let's start with Acuna um, because there's been a lot of talk on, on Twitter whether, you know, with the missed three to four weeks, is he still a first-round pick? And I said yes because – if you just look at just look at all the projected systems, you know, zips, the bat, the bat X, ATC, steamer, etc. All of them are pretty consistent with the Acuna projection. They'll have them right around 131 games, except for zips, which has them 123. And even zip, let's say zips, because that's the lowest games play projection. They still have them hitting 277 with 35 home runs, 20 steals, 104 runs, 84 RBI. That's still a first round talent, in my opinion. Maybe it's more of a back end guy because of the missed time, but if you had, let's say, 15-teamer, Chris, you're on the clock, 13th pick, Acuna sitting there, do you take him or do you pass? Uh, I don't know. It's so tough. I mean, all right, can we just say last year he played 82 games, all right? 
and he finished as the 93rd player on the Rasball Player Raider playing 82 games. So he played which, half. Which is season. insane. Yeah. He was that good. So I think I feel pretty confident in the projections. 35-20, you said for Zips, that's the lowest one. That's first round. I mean, can you tell me who else is going to do that? That is, I mean, obviously your top guys can do it, but I don't see, and everybody's concerned about him running. I'm I'm really not. I, I, I know that, okay, the Braves may take it slow on him. Do you not realize who we're talking about here? Right. Ronald Acuna Jr. is the the biggest gamer there is. He would play. He said, I mean, he was clear that he was going to play. And in BP yesterday, I don't know if you saw that hit, he hit that monster palm way over the scoreboard. And he, he just said, I'm back. And while, <laughs> as he walked off, it was epic. He He's going to play. I mean, his he said he's 95% sprinting right now. 95% sprinting at the moment. And it's March 15th. That's so we're looking at if he doesn't play until May 1st, we're looking at 45 more days that he has to be 100%. And these surgeries bring guys back strong. Football players come back and make full cuts in a shorter timeline than this. They're running routes, and the football routes and the cuts are much harsher on a leg than what Acuna's going to face. He can DH. I'm telling you, he's going to steal bases. The dude has desire to go 40-40. He could do it if he wanted to do it even in 130 games because he was – Pacing that way last year, I mean, he was going for it. It's tough. The biggest question mark is when do the Braves let him play? I think that he's going to prove to be ready. I've said all along that he was more than ready to come back by opening day in spring training, and I think it's pretty clear that he is, but the team is just holding him back a little bit. So I'm not overly concerned. I think I've seen people say fifth round. If you're letting them Wait, fall that far to me, who come on fifth round? I've seen I'm seeing people on Twitter say as low as fifth round that they would need to see him go. Okay, if anybody listening is one of those fifth round people, let me know so we can join a league together. Okay, fifth round is insane. All right, yep. because like you said, it's a Cunha here, and I would be willing to bet a sizable amount of money that he's back before May first. You might wouldn't. miss a week or two. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. Like I think May first is like the worst case scenario we're talking about here and like i said in my tweet even if you want to dial back the speed projections like take away 10 to 20 percent of what all the you know all these projection systems are saying which some of them still have them as high as 27 the bat and bat x have them at 27 as the steamer atc is at 22 and zips at 20 so 20 is the lowest end he's like 15 i think is a bare minimum for him so even if he's like 17 18 to go along with all the other you know, the home runs and the runs in the RBI and, and it's good average. Like that's still first round talent. And yeah, if he wants slips in the second round because of the uncertainty when he might come back and how much he will run fine. I'll take that discount all damn day on the other side of it though, with Tatis, that's a little harder. Obviously if you drafted him already, you got to hold on to him. But what if you haven't drafted yet? That's one thing I, I put in my, my article. Like I, I don't know for 2022 leagues how to value him or where i think i would take him because it's all i think it's all kind of comes down to like the rest of your roster how risk adverse are you how deep your benches are because like obviously if you have deeper benches and obviously you're going to stash a guy that could be elite for half a season but if you only have if you ever in like a 12 teamer 
you have limited benches. I don't know. Obviously, people are going to stash him, but I just don't know where I would take him. Like, is he worth taking at 150, 250 for half a season? I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Chris? That's a good question. <laughs> I know. It, I, it's so hard to answer. I don't know. But again, what it, we looked at Acuna half the season last year, 93rd on the player Raider. Uh, I, I, I really don't know. I'm afraid that he's, if I were in his position, I would just choose to go ahead and have the surgery on the shoulder as well. Like it sucks. Well. It sucks. But if you're going to have surgery on the wrist, go ahead and knock the shoulder out in the process. It, even if you had to miss the entire year, like we're talking about a young 22, 23 year old come back even stronger in 2023. Yeah. It sucks. I mean, he obviously wants to play fantasy managers want him to play, but yeah, I think that, I don't know. I, I honestly don't think that I would draft him anywhere unless it was just like an absurd amount that he had fallen. But a lot could happen. And I don't know. I'm, I'm so torn on that, too. It's hard to value him. But I, I think in half a season, you're probably looking around the 200 range, personally. That's kind of where I was settling in that range. I'm actually going to put out a poll from our Twitter account right now about it to see what, what? people's thoughts are. That's That's a really interesting conversation. But it, with him in dynasty, people ask me like, where does he does he fall in dynasty? I'm like, yeah. And my rankings will be out. Uh, updated rankings will be out Thursday. I'm dropping him from one to three. I I still can't drop him lower than that though. It's yeah, these are concerning. How he's had you know multiple injuries and missed time early on in his career, but he's still arguably the number one fantasy player in the game. It's obviously him and Acuna and Soto's in there. I can't. I'll probably drop him third behind Soto and Acuna. But I don't know. Can you see Justify dropping him lower than third? Because like after that, you get into like the Vladdy Jr., Trey Turner, you know, that tier, Bo Bichette. Can you justify dropping him down into that range? Or is he still kind of in that top tier for you? Because I can't do it. He's still at least number three for me. Yeah, from, like, from a pure talent standpoint. But you just have to wonder like how long do injuries keep playing in? Like, right. I, I don't want to call him injury prone. It seems but like it's it's yeah. It it's seems trending like it's that way. It's right it's at least at the end of the discussion. It seems like it's more just wildness. I think he hurt the shoulder because of his aggression in the field and sliding. And obviously, we know the wrist injury is because of motorcycle. I mean, tech come <laughs> like. And then when you ask him if he if the injury was from the wreck, and he says which one, like, holy cow, dude, like. Yeah, it, that's I, not that's not a great answer to say. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that. I know that's that's not an ideal response from your no. uh, su- superstar player. The, the, yeah, I mean, and why is the team not had? And I get teams shouldn't control players, blah 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 blah. But you paying the man three hundred forty one million dollars, like you should tell him to get off the dang motorcycle. Like, right. don't let him have a motorcycle. He can buy any car in the world. Don't need a motorcycle, bro. Like you're the franchise player. Come on. So I don't know. I I would say, you, I don't know. I mean, I, I consider him maybe in the bow range. Bow's a little safer. I think I have bow fifth, so I push him right around there. Vladdy just feels a little safer at this point, even though you don't get steals. It's a tough spot. I mean, the way that we've seen, I mean, yeah, he's, in my opinion, the most talented player in the game. From a fantasy perspective, he's, he is number one on pure talent and upside. But there are major flags here that we have to consider. So if you're drafting a dynasty startup right now, like where do you take him? I really don't know. That that's even an even bigger question. Yep. Yeah, it definitely is, and it's hard because if these injuries keep popping up, I think I'll I will drop end up dropping him further. But right now I'm gonna keep him at three. But 
Yeah, I, I can I can see down into like the bow range because I, I you know obviously everyone knows I love bow. Uh, he and he's currently fourth for me, but yeah, I just hope that this doesn't turn into like Byron Buxton 2.0 because he's more more talented than Buxton. Oh yeah, Buxton Easily. is insanely talented, and Tatis is even that much more talented. So fingers crossed, this does not turn into another Byron Buxton situation here where we're wasting. You know, we don't get the the best we can get from one of the most talented players of this century. So yeah, that's tough. All right. Next bit of news today. They're kind of really big name that had some injury, you know, news pop up here over the last handful of days, right after I drafted them in Nerf, of course, in the in the third third round though. But Zach Wheeler might miss opening day, has some shoulder soreness, you know, which, you know, obviously I'm not incredibly shocked by this, you know, because obviously after the 2020 season was obviously shortened to 60 games. He pitched 71 innings, and he literally triples that to 213 and a third, which is a career high for him by 18 innings over 2019 when he had 195 and a third. And Wheeler was dominant. I've been buying into him as a top, I think I have him sixth in my SP rankings this year. Obviously, that drops him down a little bit. But how concerned are you about this? Like, do you think it justifies moving him down a full round or two or do you think it's like all right he misses a couple starts and he's still you know worthy of like a second or third round pick where, where are you at with wheeler yeah i think you do bump him down around because i think that the biggest reason he was going so high was volume yeah i mean the, the amount of innings that you were going to get from him is significant and so even if you miss if you miss two to three starts here that's pretty significant to his value so honestly i think he does bump down just a hair i don't know it'll be interesting to see um i actually was just i was trying to look for an update on him today and apparently now he has the flu and he's obviously not going to throw he was going to throw on thursday but he's not going to throw now on thursday so that throws another wrench into the discussion here so i don't know i i think that i'm considering him around pick 50 but not before that right now that's fair and he was going uh, I think around like pick in the mid to late twenties, so yeah, that would be a good round, round and a half discount there. I'm not over. I'm not like incredibly worried about him. I will drop him down. I think he's probably like my SP, you know, eleven or twelve now, down into like the Freddie Peralta, Logan Webb range for me personally. But I still think he's an ace, and hopefully, just a couple of starts and it's just a minor thing, and he gets past it. It, it didn't seem like it was, you know, from all the sources, uh, you know, talking about it, it didn't seem like it was a lot of. Uh, worry out, out of that camp. So hopefully it's just a minor thing. He gets through it and he still makes, you know, 29, 30 starts at least this season. Yeah. The other big name that kind of broke today, which we don't have a lot of news on because it was a very vague tweet that Jack Flaherty had a, what they, how they were shoulder like examination of his medical evaluation of his shoulder. I think is how they worded it, which doesn't tell us much, but, that means that something's concerning in his shoulder. And this is a guy that has dealt with injuries in the past, which is why I've shied away from Jack Flaherty. I, the talent is there. Like I'm not doubting the talent. He's probably top 15 pitcher if you're just looking at pure talent. But he's had a hard time staying healthy enough to justify where he's been taken in drafts. When he's been taken right now as a high-end SP2 in 2022 drafts. And I just couldn't do that. 
and certain certain you know people on Twitter were saying that they'd like him over Sandy Alcantara, for example. And I think that just fell you know flat on their face with that one because obviously Sandy Alcantara I think is much better overall fantasy value than Zach than uh, excuse me than Jack Flaherty. But I don't know, is Flaherty someone you want to invest in anyway? Or are you going to shy away? I'm shying away because of all these injuries. Like I just can't do it at the price tag it's going to cost, whether it's redraft or dynasty. I'm kind of out at that aspect. I still think he's super talented, but it's too risky for me. Yeah, I think that he's going to become a great buy low in dynasty midseason. But for redraft, it's probably just best to avoid him. Who knows? The uncertainty is probably the biggest question mark here. And with the uncertainty, it's normally worse than it seems. Look at Lance McCullers, who there was uncertainty, kind of just vague stuff. And then today we get the news that PRP injection, stem cell, whatever, It's he, he's not going to pitch this year. So that's my concern with Flaherty is that the it kind of progresses and gets a little worse, a little worse. And then, yep. bam, like he's out for the year. So probably best to just avoid him and redraft. But he's still talented. So I would say that he's going to become a great dynasty by low. I want to believe that. And I, I think that's, I definitely am with you there to a degree. I don't know. I just want, I want to see him. It would depend on what the price is. Obviously if it's a really low, lower price, like 80 cents on the dollar, I could see buying into that. But this is a guy that pitched about two thirds or three quarters of the time in 2020. Like he should have had like, you know, 12, 13 starts. He made nine. And then last year he made about 50% of his starts and was good. 322 ERA. 106, you know, whip. So I don't know. I guess it'll just depend on the price tag, but I think people are always like Jack Flirty more than me. So I will probably shy <laughs> away. Um, let's get to a bit of good news here because most of these news we have are not great. So let's let's uh, sneak in a bit of good news here. This one out of Dodgers camp that Max Muncy is likely going to be ready for opening day per Dave Roberts. And this is a guy that due to the uncertainty of when he'd be back and how healthy he would be when he got back, was falling a good amount in drafts. Like a healthy Muncie is what? Top 75 pick or something like that? And he was falling past pick 150, pick you know pick 175. I saw him there plenty of times available. Uh, I took him in a few just to get a couple of shares of him, but with him healthy, or I shouldn't say healthy, with him ready for opening day, we still don't know how healthy that elbow is and how much it'll hold up. Probably get some more DH than anything, but are you more confident buying back into Muncie and seeing that ADP start to rise again? Oh, yeah. I think there was good news. And you know, when the news that he was close to swinging came out, everybody was like, how is he not swinging yet? But nobody realized that that interview <laughs> was in, in January. So yeah. it, he was clearly much further along. Like People just discovered the that interview from like January 20th that, where he stated he was close to swinging. And then there was another interview – um, not long ago that said, you know, he was preparing to be ready for opening day. I drafted him, I think, in TGFBI at like 160 something, which could be a, a really big steal right now. I like that. He yeah. play. And the nice thing is he can DH. So he's gonna be able to DH and not have to play the field, not to worry about throwing a baseball. Uh, I I really like Muncie. He's just a guy that flies completely under the radar of how talented he really is. He in the middle of a elite lineup. Gonna drive in and score a ton of runs there, and the power's still there. I don't, I don't expect the power to be zapped much at all by this injury. So yes, I'm a, still buying Muncie. You know, he if he continues to fall in this 150 range, I'll be happy to take him. For sure, uh, as would I. He has been incredibly 
consistent. Really, look at look at his last three. Okay, take out 2020, but looking at 2018, 2019, and 2021, he was right around 250 to 260 average. OBP 368, 374, 391, 35, 35, and 36 home runs. Last two years, so 2019, 2021, average 96 RBI, 98 runs scored, and with those good OBPs and 35 home runs, 36 home runs. So. With dual eligibility, you know, he used to have tri- triple eligibility with third base. Now it's just first and second. But still, like Max Muncy is incredibly consistent. He's still only 31 years old. You mentioned hitting in the middle of a very good, actually great Dodgers lineup that still might add a Freddie Freeman or someone like that. So probably going to be even better by the time opening day rolls around. He'll probably be hitting in the middle of it. He always does. Yeah, super. Yeah, he doesn't add speed and the average is lower, but. It's not a terrible average. It doesn't kill you. And then the OB, if you're in OVP leagues, it's he's great. Oh, so yeah, he's a late OVP. OVP guy, he's top 40, you know, something like that. So, yeah, definitely I am hoping I can get some shares of Mun- Muncie again here before the price tag. It's already started to rise again, but hoping to get some before it rises even more. Uh, moving over to the prospect side of things, that might have flown a little bit under the radar because it was a few weeks ago at this point, but – Josh Young, uh, Josh Young had to have shoulder surgery. Unfortunately, he's gonna be out basically in t- the entire year. They said five months. That'll put it the August September. Texas is probably not going to be competing this year, so I can see them shutting him down here. And this is unfortunate because that was right before my prospect updated my rankings came out on Fantrax, where I was moving Young up from like twenty three or so up to eleven or twelve. Then I had to move him right back down to the mid twenties to adjust for the injury. So like he didn't move at all, but he was going to be a borderline top ten guy, close to Torkelson's. I think he's that good of a pure hitter. Are you worried though, Chris? Because this was a labrum, if I recall correctly, and shoulders always have a way of limiting power or lingering, being re-injured. So, are you more worried about Young's long term outlook after this injury, or do you think it's? He's still going to be, you know, the 280 plus 25 plus guy that we thought think he can be. Well, he was just developing the power and like a fringe power guy. Like it definitely zaps some of that, which I'm afraid of. So I think it's going to I think next year he's going to come back and I I don't think he's going to be great. I think his stock's going to fall a little bit and it's going to create a good pine opportunity for 2024, which is crazy to think, you know, two seasons from now. So, yes, I am concerned. I think that he probably should be dropped pretty significantly. I think I dropped him around 25 in my prospect rankings, and I'm wondering if that's a fair spot now. But I, I don't know. I mean, he was top 10 for me, so it's tough. But I do think that, unfortunately, it hurts his value and it could hurt his outlook for at least the immediate future when he returns. I, I The power does worry me. Yeah, and, and since he's not a speed guy, maybe he adds you know a couple every year. But he doesn't have 15, 20 steals to fall back on if the power dips down. So this could, if he's if he's more of a 18 homer guy as opposed to 25 to 30 after, because of this, yeah, it definitely hurts because that's not a really sexy profile. If you get something to 30 home runs, yeah, you, you can you can play with that. But yeah, definitely worry because of that labrum. Those have a those are like some of the injuries that I really worry about, like backs, labrums, you know, for hitters and wrists, obviously stuff like that the ones I worry a little bit more about. Uh, maybe I'll check in with uh, our good buddy, Dr. Nick Savali, about this, see what his thoughts are. But yeah, definitely drops him in our rankings and hopefully a good buying opportunity, like you said, Chris. I, I think he, if we can get him on 80 cents on the dollar right now, I definitely will. I still think he's a very good hitter. So 
I will try to buy low if possible in Dynasty. A couple other pitchers here that are you know behind schedule, so to speak. Zach Gallon dealing with some shoulder bursitis. He's behind schedule. Uh, Lance McCullers, no real shock here. Also behind schedule. I think it's a little bit more severe or a little more worrisome, I should say, with McCullers as opposed to Gallon. But just in general, Chris, are you shying away from either of these two uh, at their ADP right now because of the issues they're dealing with? I don't think you should draft McCullers. Like he's just there's zero reason to even consider drafting him right now. I don't think he's going to pitch an inning this year, or maybe he pitches in September. But when you continually see it get worse, he still hasn't thrown a pitch this year, right. and when the news comes out today that you had a PRP injection plus stem cell treatment and you're not sure if surgery will be on the table or not, and you're not sure when you'll begin throwing, you're just not going to pitch. I, I really don't think you are. Gallon's fine. Gallon threw today, actually, and I, I watched his interview, and um, it sounded pretty promising. It was a shoulder brutitis, brut, brusitis, whatever you say that. Bur- bur- bursitis. There you go. Only, only but, reason uh, why I know that because I have it too. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> And so he said that that was, a, it was in December that, that happened, and he so he got it checked out like during the lockout just because he had the time. He knew he had the time to get it together and stuff, and he's he's fine. So he he did throw a bullpen today. Everything seemed okay. So I'm hoping it drops his cost a little bit, honestly. But um, with with what Gallon had last year, he had the uh, UCL strain. That's a little concerning when you have both now the shoulder and. The, and the UCL coming into play. Um, so that's is something to think about, but Gallon's going pretty cheap in terms to how good he is, in my opinion. I mean, after coming back from a strained UCL or whatever exactly he was dealing with, from July 31st on, he threw the most pitches in baseball of any pitcher. So that just tells you he was obviously okay, and I think he's going to be okay this time. So maybe his cost drops a little bit. I'll be in on him. McCullers, I've completely taken off my draft boards. He, I, I just don't think he's going to pitch this year. Yeah, I'm there with you. And it sucks, too, because McCullers is very talented. And I like McCullers in general, yeah. and he, he did a lot of stuff last year. Added another pitch that made him even better. But, yeah, just too risky uh, at this point. I have several shares of him from earlier in the offseason, which I knew was risky at the time already. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not drafting him at all anymore. Uh, Gallon, I'm still in on. I like Gallon a lot. And for, for those that don't know, bursitis is basically there's a uh, something called a bursa sack in your shoulder, which basically is like a fluid filled sack, uh, a better lack for a better term. And basically it's just some inflammation there. It causes a little bit of soreness, uh, a little bit of stiffness. It's not like anything super, you know, bad, but it's just more of a irritation comfortability type of thing. So yeah, hopefully it's just a minor thing for him and he'll get over that. Cause I've been, I have several shares of gallon this year and I love him as a bounce back and a buy low in dynasty leagues as well. Rounding out our notable news section today, uh, we got Aaron Ashby, Tanner Houck, and Garrett Whitlock. Uh, it was reported, and you did this on Fantasy Pros as well for their news desk, that to no surprise, Houck and Whitlock are not locks to the rotation, which I think we all pretty much knew. But at the same time, you look at, so the top three are, are locked in. You got Chris Sale, you got Nate Eovaldi, and you got Nick Pavetta. After that, it's looking like Rich Hill, a.k.a. Dick Mountain, and Michael Waka. Is anybody really, like, comfortable or, you know, confident, I should say, that those two are going to remain healthy for an entire season and pitch productively? You know, Rich Hill was 76 years old, 
and Michael Walker hasn't really been that good in the last several years. So I think they're going to get a shot. If I had to guess, I think Hulk with the first shot to start. I still don't know if Whitlock's future is in rotation for the bullpen. I still think Hulk's a starter. I think he could be a damn good one. I think he could be top 25 if he gets enough innings. But, you know, and we don't get, go super deep into this. We talked about this on our last, a couple episodes ago with Nick Pollock. But, you know, wh- where are you at on on these three in general? Because Ashby was said that he was going to be stretched out as a starter. That doesn't guarantee him a starting rotation spot, obviously. But would you be surprised if Ashby or Hulk you know, just with a strong showing in spring training, beat out, you know, either Waka here in Boston or like an Adrian Hauser in Milwaukee. Would, you, would that surprise you at all? I, I, I'm still so skeptical about Hauk and Whitlock because I just don't think the team wants to use them in a starter's role. Like they, they've said nothing committal to that. Which, it, which is annoying as a Red Sox fan. Sure. Yeah. As a, <laughs> as a fan, and I'm sure, and in most fancy managers, like we won't him to be in the rotation like both these guys could be talented in the rotation but i just i don't know i don't see them committing to it and even with injury like i just think whitlock i have no clue i i, there, yeah. I haven't seen enough on whitlock and i think he still has question marks where you know last year was a huge breakout year and will that stick i don't know i've seen enough how where i feel comfortable saying he's better served in a two to three inning role like he's elite there and that's not what fancy managers want to hear. And that's not what Red Sox fans want to hear because he could be a stud starter. But there's still major question marks if he can make it through the order more than two times. And he hasn't really shown that. So that's where I'm kind of skeptical a little bit of them. Ashby wouldn't surprise me at all if he goes in and takes the the spot. I mean, he he should. Like It, it really is something where I'm not surprised that they're saying he'll be stretched out. I think that it probably would have been, you know, different if we said that he wasn't getting stretched out. I don't think his value changes at all right now. Like it's everyone's going to say, all right, well, his value should shoot up the board, but I don't really think so because he's still not proven. So mm-hmm. I think he's valued fairly, and there's no telling what does stretched out look like for Ashby. Does that mean four to five innings? I don't know. And even if so, and going back to Hauk and Whitlock. I would say Hauk is probably the better chance of getting the rotation, but what if Hauk is a starter and just throws four innings, or what if he becomes a starter and he's a piggyback? Because I could definitely see them piggybacking Rich Hill and my, and Michael Walker with somebody, and Hauk fits that spot. So, again, he's looking at three innings maybe. Yeah, he may steal some wins, but I just don't see that being valuable on a fantasy roster personally. So that's where I'm concerned, and it's just – reporting the facts people don't want to hear it because people want to speculate and say he can be a great starter but the facts are what they are and it's been made clear by the red sox organization they did not commit to whitlock or halk in the rotation it they commit who they commit to they commit to hill and walker i mean that's exactly what they said they said they're going to be part of the rotation and And, and they'll get paxton back at some point like july or so so paxton's coming back mid-season so now you have six and yes you're right i mean there's Pavetta, Hill, and Waka, who can they stay healthy? Probably not, but you still have to factor in uh, Paxton coming back there too. And are the Red Sox even done? Are they done adding? It it doesn't appear so to me. So <laughs> well, they're not really awake right now. Before they got in on the Freddie Freeman sweepstakes kind of sort of, or as that rumor came out, it was like Red Sox hadn't done anything the last couple of days. Oh, they know we we signed uh uh, what was his name? Matt Strom. Matt Strom, baby. Good, good a few years ago with San Diego and hasn't done much since then. But 
Yeah, with uh, with Hauk, I I agree with you to an extent. I just wish they would give him a chance to see if he could go through the order to third. They haven't really given them a chance. Like there were so many times right. when we'd be, I'd be sitting there watching the like a Saturday afternoon Sox game or Wednesday night, whenever it may be. Hauk's going. He's just he's carving up the opposing lineup. And he's like, it's like four four or five innings. He's got like two hits, one walk, seven Ks, and he's only got like seventy two pitches or something like that. Let's say. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, they're warming up Ryan Brazier or whoever. I'm like, give him a shot. Like, I, I hate when they just don't even – they just assume that he can't do it when he, they have, they've never really given him a shot to do it, which this is – that's just one thing that's always irritated me. With this, you know, look at whatever they're looking at on, on the iPad and like, all right, no, we got to get Hulk out of there. Give him a shot. How do you know if you don't give him a shot? That's always irritating for me. But, yeah, I totally agree, though, that until we know the role, especially with Hulk – and with Ashby, who I think both could be like top 30 pitchers this year, if given 140 plus innings. But until we have a better idea if we're, they're going to get those innings, we, we can't draft them as such. It's like, I think they could have a Freddie, Freddie Peralta was top 25 with 100 and I think it was 144 innings last year. I think Hauk and uh, Ashby could do the same. But yeah, they're still they're still going too high. Ashby's better. I think he's ADP is a good 50 to 60 spots behind Hauk. So if I had to pick one for 2022 to draft right now, I'd probably go with Ashby because of the better price. And I think there's actually a slightly better chance he gets a rotation spot to start the season than Hauk does. But yeah, still, you know, this is, I guess, prom- a little promising for Ashby. And then obviously it's what we knew already with Hauk and Whitlock, which is frustrating. But like you said, it is what it is at this right. point. And, and Hauk is going in the same range of draft as, as Sony Gray. Like, why? I'll take Sony. I'm not even a big Sony Gray guy. No. I'll take him easily. Easily. Luis Severino, who today was said to be the most ready in the Yankees camp. Severino was an ace for two seasons before he got hurt. And he can come back and easily throw 160 innings. There's no question about that. Yep. He can throw 160 ace level innings. Why? It's just not even in the realm of consideration for me to take Halk over Severino or Gray when they're going in the same spot. Like that, that just doesn't. Now you throw in Tariq Scooball where maybe I <laughs> consider how I'm not taking either, but right uh, comparison one to one. I don't love Scooball either, but there's just too many solid pitchers there. So going in the range that he's going, I mentioned you have Sony gray, you have Marcus Stroman, who I'm not the biggest fan of either, but I take Stroman easily. Luis Severino, you have Jordan Montgomery, who I take over Hulk, Mike Clevenger. I take over Hulk. I, I just don't see an argument to take Hulk in the range. He's going. Yeah. And there was actually some, Promising reports about Clevenger lately that he's looking yep. pretty good, locked for the rotation. So, yeah, I think Clevenger's a guy that was kind of shying away from a bit because of the uncertainty. I was like, how he's had so many injuries, so, so much missed time. What's he look like? But everything's promising. So, I might buy back in uh, in that range. And yeah, I would take him over Hauk as well. Just looking at that the ADP for where Hauk is, uh, McCullers is still in that range. Ew, what's not to that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would go Strowman. I would go jo- Jomo. I would go Sandoval, uh, Clevenger. Yeah. yeah, probably. Yeah, probably Ryu. I, I'm, I'm John not, Means. I take over how yeah, easily. Means uh, probably Wood and Scafani. Joe Ryan, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, Wainwright's going in that range. I'm not a huge Wainwright nope. guy. Um, I wouldn't do that. Urquidy, I probably would. John Gray at yeah, 240. <laughs> John Gray, I would. Uh, Huascar Inoa is possible. Alex Cobb, I'm not as high as most on him. But yeah, that's, so now we're getting down near 250 
overall. Even like Bailey Ober and Steven Matz and Herman Marquez, I might even consider over Hauk at this point, just, just because of the role. If he was a starter, I wouldn't. Um, I'd probably think this is pretty reasonable if he was guaranteed 140 innings. But yeah, just can't do it right now. But that wraps up the news. We'll take a quick break here. We'll come back on the other side, get in some signings and some trades. So do not go anywhere. We'll be right back. you're craving church's three-piece classic there's no other option two crispy legs a thigh and a warm honey butter biscuit are the only way and that's why we call it a classic church's texas chicken tap the banner to find your nearest location offer valid at participating locations all right welcome back from the break the signings part of this is you know there was a couple of big signings or big ish signings to start the post lockout off season but kind of has gotten quiet over the last few days, but still a few notables to talk about here, uh, most of which are on the pitching side of things. We'll start with a couple out in the National League West. Carlos Rodon went to the San Francisco Giants, two years, $44 million, and Clayton Kershaw went back to the Dodgers on a one-year deal here. Let's start with Rodon, Chris. Obviously, very up and down major league career for him, but... You know, recency bias the last year was the best year of his career by a fairly substantial margin here. You know, after he was one of the worst pitchers in baseball uh, in 2019 and 2020 and 2021 improved across the board, 24 starts, 237 ERA, 0.96 whip and a elite 34.6% K rate, uh, 189 XBA, 316X slugs, all the metrics were very, very good. ERA indicators pretty much backed up the performance as well, but he's got you know, a little bit of injury issues to deal with here. So people are kind of shying away from him starting this you know draft season, but now that he went to San Fran, an org that has a stellar recent track record of getting the most out of their pitchers and then even more than anybody would anticipate, now there's a little bit of buzz around Rodone here. Are you buying back into Rodon or would you or were you even out on Rodon where do you where are you out on him in general I was independent on the price uh, honestly I think he fell in our relegation draft to like 140 and I took him and that was before the signing that was before the news that his medicals were good and that's the thing that there were reports of really good med like a lot of teams said that there were his medicals were very clean which was after the lockout which was was definitely ideal you move to a great great pitchers park and an org that does a great job with development so to me it's kind of like a green light for him and yeah i think that there is reason to be skeptical uh, based on his injury history it's not good at all but what i'm saying is that 140 carlos Rodon innings are worth pick 125 to 150 and yeah maybe his value does balloon a little bit i mean san francisco is obviously the place to be right now for pitching so i'm not sure if there's been any updates since he signed um i don't even know what day he signed at this point i'm pulling that up. i'm gonna go like the last three days because since february 1st it was around 137 let yeah. me just go since sunday i don't even know if i'll get any drafts probably a few drafts let's since, see since last friday 106 Okay, yeah, I, I couldn't get anything the last few days. So, yeah, it's definitely already gone up. Yeah. 
And, well, and 106 is still fair. Yeah, I, think I, I, I like think 137 fair. better, but yeah, 106 is still fair. I don't know. It's just uh, it's just a, a weird spot for him. Obviously, the landing spot's great. The injury history is it's the biggest question mark, so that, that leaves me a little bit skeptical. So um, I think the price is priced fairly based on all things, so it's the risk you have to decide if you want to take or not. Um, for me, if he falls to – right now, if he falls to 125, it's an easy pickup. Around pick 100 – Probably fair. So I would at least consider taking a stab on him there because I do think we saw the talent level of who he can be if he can stay healthy. Yeah, and, you know, Rodon, he's got one of the best sliders in the game. You know, 40.6% whiff rate, 107 batting average against, 126 slug. Even when he three extra base hits all year on that slider with 604th Rome. Fastball is pretty good as well. Changeup got hit around a lot. So I, I wonder, you know, I'm a little, I, I'm always skeptical of these two pitch guys, unless they're Jacob DeGrom, obviously, <laughs> but uh, that's a different story. But yeah, this, that changeup was so terrible last year. 367 batting average again, 612 slug, 419 Woba. Just, you got some whiffs with it, 36.3%. So that was pretty solid, but yeah, um, but only four strikeouts with it. So you look at, he had 185 Ks last year, 90 on the four seamer, 91 in the slider. And only four on the changeup, so and uh, that's a little worrisome to me at least. Here doesn't throw anything. He has a curveball thirty-eight times, one point seven percent usage. So I'm not even counting that. So, but the slider and the four seam were both very good. Love the landing spot with San Fran, and yeah, if he can say give you 140, 150 innings, I think the ADP around pick one hundred will be justified. And the other arms in that kind of range where he's been going lately are. You know, Blake Snell, Shane McClanahan, Trevor Rogers. I think I would still take all of those guys, especially I definitely Rogers and McClanahan, probably Snell. Um, but I'd be okay with him as my SP three because usually I have my SP two more on like the pick, you know, ADP seventy five range, like Cease, Barrios, Musgrove, someone like that. Uh, so if I can get Rodon as my three. Or even my four, I'd be great. But even my three, I think I'd be okay with. Yeah. Uh, personally, yeah. with Kershaw, I think Kershaw's gotten more of a bad rap than he deserves. Like, obviously, the risk is there. He's not getting any younger. He is now what thirty four, but there's a lot of miles on that arm. Debuted back in two thousand eight. He debuted, which is insane. Um, okay, he'll be thirty four in a few days here on the nineteenth. Um, but it's kind of a similar thing. Like, can you count on him for more than 150, 60 or 160 innings? No. Uh, he had 121 and two thirds last year, which I think people are kind of looking at. But before before the lockout, uh, excuse me, before the pandemic, he was at 178, 161, 175, 149, and then a 232 back in 2015. But if he can give you 140, 150 innings, those are probably still going to be really good innings. His 355 ERA last year only had a 102 whip. Like you still low walk rate, still a high, pretty solid K rate, not elite, but definitely above average. His 355 ERA was the highest of his career besides his rookie year in 2008. Before that, 303, 216, 273, 231. So I think you can still count on an ERA potentially in the high twos, low threes, over a strikeout per inning. You know, always has had a low walk rate. That's one of his you know, things he's been known for over the last decade or so after he settled into the major league. So I think the ADP on Kershaw is very reasonable. So if, if you look and this, I'm going back to the sense of February 1st, 
uh, for ADP. 175. I'm all over him at 175. Obviously, it depends on who you already have in your rotation, but if he stays there, 175, even 120 innings, I think that's a good value. Yeah, I mean, it's it's worth taking a chance there. He, You, you look, and you mentioned the age, you mentioned the mileage. There's a lot of things going against him. But last year, man, his he had a lot going for him. I mean, he honestly had some of the best stuff of his career last season. Swinging strike rate, I'm almost certain was the highest of his career. I'm trying to pull it up and find it. Because I almost, I'm pretty sure I remember it being the highest of his career, which is pretty darn impressive when you've had a Hall of Fame career like Kershaw has. Again, he, how many innings? If I don't know if he gives you 130 innings at that spot, you just it depends on your team build, I guess. You you can't draft him if you have other risky arms like Rodon, but if if you've had a pretty solid track record of arms going ahead of him and he's like your sp5 or six then understand yes that's correct he had a 16.7 percent swinging strike rate last year highest of his career silly he was there you go what, 34 years old so good so i don't see why he can't do it again he's fixing to turn 34 actually in a couple of days um the mileage you mentioned but i think we know who he is at this point and we know what we're going to get out of him and if you're okay with that then then take him can I just say, I, I love that term you use. He's fixing the turn 34. I've always loved that phrase. I don't know why. I think it's a, is that a Southern thing? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know why. That's always like, it's a funny bone with me. Uh, I'm not sure why. But yeah, you look at the metrics. Just look at the, the body of work. I go on the Savant page. Look at the last several years compared to this year. A lot of numbers were on par or even better. Like You mentioned the swing and strike rate. His whiff rate is the best he's had in the Savant era. Uh, contact chase rate was his like third highest over the last seven years was higher than 2020. You know, he's giving up less contact, the barrel rate, XBA, X slug, all of that hard hit rate is all pretty much in line. It's been very consistent over the last six, seven years. So the body of work is still very good. It's just how big of the, of a body is it? Is it 120 inning body? Or is it 150 inning body? That definitely factors in. But I said, even 120 innings of Kershaw ADP is fair. 140, 150, ADP is an absolute steal. I truly believe that. Uh, those were the two big signings. Uh, I guess another big signing. Uh, That's the next biggest here. Nelson Cruz. Nelly. Nelly going to the Nats. I love this deal, Chris. I was so happy. First off, I think it's a great move for Nelson Cruz. Like, look at, I think people were looking too much into his Tampa Bay numbers last year. Can people stop doing that? Nobody likes hitting in the trop. The trop is, I'm sorry, all you Tampa Bay Rays fans. The trop sucks. Nobody likes sucks. hitting there. There's catwalks all over the place. It's the weirdest park ever. And we saw with Willie Adames how much better he did out of there. Look at look at what Nelly did leading up to his time in the trop. That is the Nelly I think he can still be. He goes to a, a park that's been a top 10 hitting park, especially for right-handed power over the last handful of years. He's likely going to be hitting cleanup right between. Uh, he'll probably have... Josh Bell hitting right behind him, and then the GOAT, Juan Goto Soto hitting right in front of him. That's a great spot to be in. So I like the spot for him. I like the park for him. And then this just gives an added bonus here to all you people that have Juan Soto shares, including my, obviously myself, a little more lineup protection for Juan Soto. Josh Bell, pretty good player. But after that, it was like, all right, you got a young catcher and keeper Ruiz and then a hodgepodge of crap. You know, so adding that extra... And yeah, it still drops off dramatically after those guys, but adding Nelly behind 
Soto gives him more pitches to hit. And I think you could see maybe the best offensive year we've seen from Soto, which is saying something because look at all the seasons he's already had. But I mean, in terms of counting stats wise, this could be the best year of your career for Soto. So I love the signing all the way around. Yeah, no, it makes complete sense. The spot he's hit in the order. Fabulous. He's going to be highly successful in that spot. So um, I'm pretty much all over him. I think he's going way too low. He always does because everybody's like, well, father time is going to catch up with him. And sure, like at some point it will, but he's really defied time first for how long now? And he continues to do that. <laughs> yeah, he continues to do it. So why do we think he's just going to stop and suck now? Like, I, I don't really get that. But, um, you know, if you want, if you don't want to draft him, that's fine. Just avoid him. But you, you look at the other util only players and he goes just so much later. So he's a great pick in my opinion. Yeah, would you would you be surprised if he had a better year than Fran Mill Reyes this year? No, not at all. No one either. And Fran Mill's going how much higher? Uh, he's going like one hundred to one twenty range. Where is uh? I don't even know where is Nelly going. He's going like two hundred ish, isn't he? Let's see here. Yeah, I can type his name correctly. One ninety seven. Yeah, and then Franny is going. 130, oh, 135, so a little later, but still, that's like 60 spots behind, a full four rounds behind. Maybe Franny is a safer choice, but 60, 60 spots, you know, I would definitely take Cruz compared to Franny and ADP. If I can get 35 and 100 out of him, then maybe he won't score a lot of runs, but he always had a pretty solid average. He should be a pretty good player at that range. I don't think you can find a lot of 35 and 100 at, no. pick, 200, at pick 200. So Not at all. Yep. I'm all over Nelly Cruz. And yeah, I think he used to be like, people were waiting for David Ortiz to fall off every single year. He just didn't. Like, he was one of the head, one of the best years of his career last year of his career before he retired. I went out on a high note, but yeah, I think Cruz would be the same. Until he shows me that he's going to fall off, I'm still investing. And I'm, it's going to take more than a bad showing in a crappy park to <laughs> shy me away from Nelson 100%, Cruz. 100%. Yep. Absolutely. All right. A couple more. Those are the big ones. A few more here. You had Andrew Simmons going to the Cubs. Not really notable, but that kind of pushes Nico Horner to the bench. Take that for what it's worth. That's not really much. Brad Hand went to Philly. I still think Cora Knievel is the closer, so that's not really noteworthy either. Figured we'd mention it. But the two others here we'll touch on briefly. You say Kikuchi went to Toronto. Three years, $36 million. Probably is a number five starter behind Gaussman, Manoa, Barrios, and Hunjin Ryu. So that kind of it was already, you know, kind of speculation that Pearson would be in the bullpen anyway, but Pearson's without a spot in the rotation start of the year. So maybe he's bullpen, triple A, we'll see. And then Andrew McCutcheon went to Milwaukee. I still like McCutcheon, Chris. Like people, yeah, yeah, he's obviously in the twilight of his career, but he still had 27 home runs, 80 RBI last year. The average sucked, but before that, he was always in that 250, 260 range. Wouldn't surprise me if he got back there. So, I like Kutch where he's going as an outfield four, outfield five, OBP leagues, a little bit of a boost there. So I think Kutch is, I think it's a good spot for him. Yeah, it sucks for Tyrone Taylor and all the shares we had of him as a potential late round breakout, but I think this is a good spot for Kutch. Yeah, no, I agree. It's a good ballpark. He's going to be in a good lineup, and I don't think he's done. I mean, he still showed good power speed last year. I do think the average was a little fluky. I expect that to rise up. OBP league, great, great, great OBP threat. So I, I'm all in. I think the price is a little low. If he's your outfielder five or a util guy, like, dude, he's he's awesome. Like, 
I'd be happy with that. And I think he's going way later than that. He's like going in like bench range almost. So. Whoa. Yeah, he's going. I, I didn't realize he's going 342. Holy, yeah. So he's going. You, you're probably not drafting your outfielder five there. Whoa. I thought so, he was going like two, like 242. I just I didn't realize how late he was going. Like he's going in a range with outfielders. Lorenzo Kane. Uh, actually, not a lot of outfielders in this range, but Patrick Wisdom is going in this range. I don't know why. Uh, David Fletcher. Wisdom is actually 15 spots higher. Adam Frazier. A couple it, like Brendan Marsh is intriguing, but. Yeah, I would definitely go. And then and there's Kikuchi, too. He's going in this range as well, 334. But, yeah, 342 for Kutch, great. And he has a min pick of 290 over the last month and a half. So you can definitely get him 300 or later for sure. That's that's even better. I already liked him in the mid to late 200s. If he's in the mid 300s, boom, even better. Yeah, I've always been a I've always been a Kutch guy. And that Milwaukee lineup could be sneaky good this year. Yeah. We'll see how it shakes out. There's a lot of moving parts there and maybe some platoons, but – that could, that could be at least a middle of the pack or better offense. We'll see. Um, that was really it. You know, obviously, Nate Pearson. I'll go bold prediction that Nate Pearson gets 10 saves this year. What a bit of a fun bold prediction there because we saw the closure carousel with Toronto last year. And I like Jordan Romano and all, but is he a lock to be the closer all year? I don't I don't know. I don't know. So I can see Pearson getting some saves. I don't know. It's a fun little bold prediction there. I still think Pearson's going to be something, whether it's a starter reliever i don't know i'm i'm yeah. every day that reliever bar for me gets closer and closer to the starter bar it's almost 50 50 at this point but i still believe in the talent that he's gonna be an impact arm in some capacity i'm just not sure what capacity anymore unfortunately uh all right moving on here a lot of fun trades and a lot of them involving minnesota we'll start with with the twins there their first trade was trading sunny gray or excuse me trading chase petty to get sunny gray from the cincinnati reds and then they also traded Mitch Garver, who I love, to Texas for Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and then promptly flipped him 46 minutes later, it felt like, to the Yankees, along with Josh Donaldson, for Gary Sanchez and Gio Rochella. The, the, I don't know, I love the gray trade for them. Petty's a very talented arm, very electric, you know, obviously can touch double digits, wipe out slider, developing changeup. So I like that get for Cincinnati. Gray, obviously, it's getting out of Great American Ballpark. It's just huge. Like his ERA last year was over a half run lower. Excuse me, over a full was, run lower. Yeah, it was uh, significant. Yeah, on the road. Uh, wasn't quite Tyler Molly levels of, of splits there, but definitely getting out of that ballpark is helpful. I had him as my number 52 starter. I bumped him up to, start, uh, to number 44. So if I could get him as like my my number four, I'd be okay with that. I'm still not the biggest Sunny Gray guy, but this is definitely I'd, definitely a bump up for his value for sure. Yep, I agree. It's funny. Did you see the thing? Uh, Connor Falefa was like not sure where his car was because uh, the team Texas had sent it to camp where he would be with Minnesota, and then I guess they got confused that he went to New York, so he doesn't. He's like has no clue where his car is right now. That was funny, but that just shows dude, how quick. Dude, where's my car? Right, part, part two, starting Isaiah Connor Falefa. Good, good reference. Good reference. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it's uh, an interesting move. I do like it for Kiner Falefa. I actually like it for almost all parties, like both these trades. Yeah. It almost benefits everybody in the party. Um, IKF, I think his value goes up. He was not – he was out of a spot in Texas. So he got a spot in Minnesota. The Yankees are commi- – the Yankees love him. Like the, he, they say he's going to be their starting shortstop. Like, dude, you're the starting, short, starting shortstop for the Yankees. Like, good lineup, good ballpark. We know what kind of hitter he is. I don't know if he steals 20 bases again, but, you know, not 
great, but he's a decent late round target. And yeah. with Garver, I mean, Garver already had huge power and just stay healthy. I mean, Garver's a top five catcher when healthy, in my opinion. Yep. So maybe he he stays healthy in Texas and that lineup's improving now. So I don't know. I'm in on Garver. Sanchez, I don't really know what to make of him. Maybe a fresh start's what he needed. Uh, I really yeah. hope that this fresh start uh, can benefit him. And you know, Bob Nightingale saying, "Oh, they just got him to to flip him, and they just got him." But no, he's going to be the starting catcher for him. I, I think he gets probably two thirds of the reps to Ryan Jeffers, one third. Just just my observation. Maybe Jeffers gets more because Gary can DH. I don't know, but I do like Urshela. Urshela's value moves up in the deal. He he was out of spot in New York, in my opinion. They were going to make a move that that threw him out of a spot, so at least they got rid of him. Donaldson, shoot, he joins the team where they all do the same thing, where literally they all hit bombs. And so they're the Bronx Bombers for a reason. He fits right in there. And if healthy, Donaldson's still got a lot in the tank too. So yeah, um, he's one that that I do like a decent bit. Did you see that? Did you you see that picture of it was him in the middle, and on his left was Gallo, and on his right was Stanton. And Donaldson is six foot one. Let me remind you, and Stanton's like overlooking like Shaquille O'Neal, like seven foot three or something like that. It was ridiculous. Judge Judge is huge, stupid. Oh no, it was was Judge. Yeah, Yeah, sorry, but stupid how big they are. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think there was a good value upgrade for a lot of the players here. I've already you know, talked about and written up Garver a few times this off season, you know, quality of contact was elite last year, 17.4% barrel rate, 546 X 53.6 hard hit rate. Just strikes out a bit too much. And you mentioned the injuries, but I think there's a lesser chance of whoever the backup is, whether it's Jonah Heim or um, blanking on the other catcher's name there, but whoever the backup is, I think there's a lesser chance that they eat in to his playing time than Ryan Jeffers. So yeah, I definitely, it was probably more like 60, 40, him in Minnesota is probably closer to yeah two thirds one third or seventy thirty in Texas I believe and uh, he said have a pretty you know he already had a good lineup around him I think this would be a solid lineup in Texas as well so love that love Donaldson like I, I tweeted about him you know earlier was that today or yesterday I can't remember at this point but him same thing seventeen point four percent barrel rate five forty two x slug fifty two point seven percent hard hit rate he's been above fifty percent hard hit rate each of the last three years it's just obviously can he stay on the field like. If we can get 130 to 140 games out of him, which he did 155 just two years ago or three years ago now well, with your Atlanta Braves, Chris, you know, a year he had 259, 37 home runs, 94 RBI, 96 runs. If he gets 130, 140 games and he had 135 last year, I think you, you could see a guy that pushes top 10 third base this year. Obviously, third base is not great. Like the 10th third baseman being drafted is probably what, roughly Anthony Rendon, someone like that. So, I could easily see him outproducing or at least being on that level. Obviously, he doesn't run at all, but decent enough average, higher OBP, good power, great park, great lineup around him. Yeah, I love Donaldson. He's been one of my favorite targets. If I don't go early on third base, he's been a guy I've been targeting in that 175 to 200 pick range, and I'm targeting him even more now. Um, as for some of the other guys in in this deal here, uh, kind of left a I don't know. I I have a few shares of him because I think he can still give you you know 15 steals or so um, while having shorts of eligibility. So he's he's been on a few of my teams. I don't know. He's not sexy. The bat's not really great. It's okay. Um, but don't have a lot of shares of him, just a couple. I don't have any Geo or Shella shares, and, and I don't want to. It's it's not so much that I think he's bad. I think he's okay. 
but he spurned me so many times over the last two or three years. Um, after that one good year, I invested more heavily, and he just did absolutely nothing for me. So <laughs> there's just other guys I like in that yeah. range. So like he's going, where is he going? Uh, 286, which is actually not bad at all. Dual eligibility, third and short as well. But you look at some of the names in this range that I've been targeting more. Guys like Alec Bohm, Brendan Nimmo, Jesus Lazardo. if I'm going pitcher, Rowdy Telez, guys like that, that I've just find myself targeting more than Gio Rochella. So I'm kind of out on him. And Kerry Sanchez, I don't know, dude. Like Maybe the fresh start, like you said, but Kerry Sanchez is a Gary Sanchez. Like I don't think his issues are magically going to disappear in Minnesota. No. And like it's not like they're like, oh, where'd he go? Oh, he's, he's not in New York anymore. I'm going to stay here. Like, no, those issues will follow him to Minnesota. Maybe fresh start, but that's not, that's, that's the only thing I can like. I'm grasping at straws here. Like I don't see anything in the profile to make me want to draft him. He's he's a ca- number two catcher for two catcher formats. That's it. Yeah, for me. yeah. I mean that's fair. I think he, I think he's a decent upside flyer if it's a catcher number two. Like if you get a solid yeah. number one, then I'm not opposed to that at all. Sure. Yeah, I can see that, but that's about it for me. Yeah, that's uh, fair. Th- did we cover everybody here? Um, Sonny Gray, uh, Chase Petty. Okay, I think we got everything in this Minnesota flurry here. Uh, all right, the other uh, pitcher that went on, I think on that same day, Chris Bassett went from the Oakland Athletics, who are in a fire sale as well, just like Cincinnati. They sent him to the New York Mets in exchange for a right-hander pitching prospects, JT Ginn and Adam, I'm not sure if it's Oller or Oler. Um yeah, Ginn's intriguing. Uh, he was actually, I didn't realize him and Petty were back-to-back in my prospect rankings at 199 and 200 overall. Um, but Bassett, I, I love Bassett. Like, I, I tweeted out the other day that he is just so incredibly underrated. He had, like the, I think it was the 12th best ERA since the start of, I think it was 2018 or 2019. And his K rate's finally gone up. Yeah, he's one of these late bloomers. Hasn't really done much in his 20s. He's more of an early 30s breakout guy. Um, but I like this move. He's settling as a number three for them behind, you know, Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer. I like this move. Yeah, the ballpark might be, you know, even though City Field is not a hitter's park, it's more of a hitter's park than O.co Coliseum or whatever the heck they call it nowadays. I can't remember. Um, so slight downgrade there, but I still think he's a very solid SP3, SP4 for fantasy purposes that you can get a little later than that. So I like this move for the Mets and for fantasy purposes. I love Chris Bassett. Yeah, I mean, he's just a boring dude that gets the job done. And and those guys are valuable. <laughs> yeah, and those are the guys that win fantasy leagues. For what it's worth, he had a 2-4-4 ERA at home last year, 3-7-1 on the road and 87 innings on the road. But again, if you're getting a, a guy that pitches to a 3-7-1 ERA, then that's good. where he's going, that's a good spot in my opinion. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be a little dip because the Coliseum is in an insane pitcher's park, which is why – Matt Olson, we're going to talk about it's a huge boon of, of value. But Bassett is going to throw innings. I mean, I think you can guarantee 150, 160 from him. He should get a lot. He got 12 wins on that Oakland team last year. He should get wins in New York. But right. Mets on Mets, so we'll see. <laughs> so, overall, I, I do like it. I like where he's going. Um, he's just gets the job done over and over and over again. I mean, he's a career 347 ERA. And over the last four seasons, three, two, three, like that's just silly good. So now he, he's going to constantly overperform his peripheral numbers and get the job done. So yes, I'm, I'm a big fan of Chris Bassett. He's, he's one of those guys like a Francisco Lindor on the offense side of things where a lot of times some of like the savant metrics don't match up with the surface numbers, but 
when you have a long enough track record where you're producing at a certain level, you got to buy into it. Like that's the same thing with Tim Anderson. We're like, oh, he's not a 300 hitter. No, yeah, maybe the metrics don't say that, and he doesn't walk that much. He's aggressive, but he's a 300 hitter. Like he is what he is. You got to see what these guys. They pass the eye test, and Bassett passed the eye test. He doesn't have the super high K rate, but it was 25 percent last year. That was a career best. Walk rate has always been pretty solid, around six percent. ERA indicators, you know, are, we're all in the, like the mid three range. So yeah, three set. Let's say he goes three five, three six ERA, solid WHIP, twenty five percent K rate. Hopefully, a few more wins. Hard. It's obviously hard to predict, but you think, and you know, a few more wins going from Oakland, who's terrible right now, to the Mets. You should think there's a few more wins, but we'll see. Yeah, I think that's uh, fine for where he's going. I like I like Chris Bassett in general a lot, but yeah, let's go over to that Matt Olson trade. Which, you know, I think the Braves saw the writing on the wall, unfortunately, with Freeman. We still don't know as of now where Freeman will go. Dodgers have been rumored. Every, every team, team. Yeah. every team in the AL East, besides Baltimore, sorry, Baltimore, sorry, Alex Fast, um, have been rumored uh, to be in on him. Toronto, I think the Toronto and LA rumors are the two strongest at this point, but we'll see where he goes. Toronto, that, that would be absolutely insane if they get Freddie Freeman. Same with the Dodgers, that would be insane too. But, we're not talking about Freeman yet. We'll talk about him when that happens. But Matt Olson goes to the Atlanta Braves in exchange for four prospects. Catcher Shea Langoliers, outfielder Christian Pache, and right-handers Joey Estes and Ryan Cusick, who they just drafted this past summer. What are your initial thoughts here, Chris? Obviously, you mentioned the the ballpark is a huge, huge upgrade. Like I think we both tweeted out, uh, I forget who it was, but they had that the uh, his spray chart at was it truest field yeah truest 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 yeah i always want to take out that last s called truest <laughs> um but all those doubles out there that died or not died there were so doubles but um that would have been home runs in true and truest so like you could easily see 40 plus bombs of him like i think you, what you saw last year which was his best offensive year overall there's no counting stats i think you could see that and then some this year with atlanta great lineup around him with ozzy acuna eventually everyone else so I'm. I think he's back to being my cemented number three first baseman. Like Alonzo is creeping up there, and a little bit of news on him. Alonzo was T-boned in his car, yeah. flipped it several times, which is scary. But he's okay. Everyone's okay. Thank God. Um, that was a, that broke like thirty seconds after the Tatis news. But yeah, back to Olson. I think this is a very significant upgrade for him in general. But what what are your thoughts? Yeah, and the one that you retweeted actually didn't even include the outs that he had. So. I looked at the one with outs and dude, he's got some flyouts that are out in Truist yeah. Park, like a lot of flyouts that are and dude, there's probably 30 last year, 30 flyouts to the warning track in Truist. So it's kind of crazy. Um, it'll be fun to see. And, you know, emotions aside from everything, like what they did was smart. It was the right business move. So it's tough, but I mean, you look at the body of work and in reality, like, they didn't trade away that much, in my opinion. I mean, Pache's not an MLB regular hitter. Yes, he's elite in the field, but he's replaceable. He's not a great hitter. Langoliers, while he's elite behind the plate, and he had a good season last year, it was kind of masked by some poor under-the-radar like stats. I mean, the contact skills were poor. He struck out a lot. He whiffed a lot. So how does that translate to a big league hitter? And there's question – I mean, Estes had a breakout. Cusick's a reliever. So it's a good trade. You extended him. So you have a 27-year-old Olsen who's five years younger than Freeman. And everybody's like, well, why didn't they spend that money on Freeman? Because look at the difference. 
you're paying you're paying Olsen fifteen million dollars this year, and you're saving the team a chunk of money to spend on other places. While Freeman is going to Olsen's making half of what Freeman will make in twenty twenty two. There's no doubt that Freeman gets thirty million a year at least, in my opinion. So we'll see how that shakes out. But beyond that, Olsen is going to mash. I mean, his contact rate improved ten percent last season, pretty significant. I think the ballpark increases his batting average as well because you look at a lot of those. The Coliseum's huge. A lot of those fly balls just went for flyouts. They're going to turn into home runs. He hit 39 last year. I don't see why he couldn't hit 45. So I'm a big fan. I think Olsen may surpass Freeman in fantasy value this year. I think it's a real possibility. Freeman's going to beat him in average, but I wouldn't be surprised if Olsen's a more valuable fantasy asset this year. I won't either. I, I've seen others say that as well. Uh, I think obviously I'll take Freeman in drafts right now, but yeah, that would not surprise me at all because I think this is definitely, like we both said, this was a massive upgrade for him. All the improvements he made last year, cutting against strikeout rate basically in half, getting 16.8%. Walk rate's always been really good, 13.8% last year. Quality of contact's been, he's at a barrel rate above 12.5% each of the last five years. So yeah, I love this move for Matt Olson. A lot of, uh, he could hit 50 this year. Like that's definitely possible. He could lead the major leagues in home runs. It wouldn't surprise me. He might even be the odds on favorite at this point or one of the top three or four last deal here on the docket. Cincinnati. This was a head scratcher. Just from a, for Cincinnati's perspective, they got rid of Eugenio Suarez and Jesse Winker shipped them up to the Pacific North Northwest to Seattle. Got back. Brandon Williamson, who I love, we talked with him on our pitching prospect breakout episode with uh, Christian Crespo a few weeks back. So go check that out. And then J- uh, Jake Fraley and Justin Dunn. I think Cincinnati Cincinnati fans were uh, there's a few of them on Twitter. Uh, Doug Dennis is Cincinnati fan. Clay Link is Cincinnati fan. Like I don't think people were loving that deal for Cincinnati, but for fantasy purposes, Seattle has become. Very, very intriguing. Like that's there's not a there's a pretty solid lineup one through nine. They don't have the huge bats right now. If you look at it for roster resources projected, Frazier leading off at second, then Hanniger in right, Winker in left, France at first, Kellenick in center, Suarez at third, Crawford at short, Murphy catching, and for now, Toro DHing until Lewis gets back at some point early in the season. So for Winker and Suarez, I don't see any huge value change here i think get down because of the park going from great american ballpark to what is seattle's park now is it t-mobile yes t-mobile park okay it's hard to keep track of these days of all the parks but yeah downgrade for the park but pretty neutral i think it's gonna be huge both these guys winker and suarez a big power so i don't think it'll be more than like maybe they go down a couple home runs but with suarez we'll see if that september carries over he had that really hot september which still got only got his average up to the Mendoza line. Still hit 198 last year. So we'll see if, if Suarez can hit like 230, which I don't think is asking too much. He's done it in the past. He's going around pick 200, 230 with 30 to 35 home runs. That's pretty solid in that range. But I don't, I don't know. Are you in general, are you in on Winker or Suarez this year, even after the deal? I, I think it's a pretty significant downgrade, unfortunately. I mean, the, Steamer updated their projections and Winker's batting average dropped like 20 points. And oh, did that, it that much? That yeah, that's pretty scary, like to think about. And the 
kind of talking the way the GM was talking, saying like that Winker could be in a platoon. Like that's silly. And I know the with with with, with who though. Like, yeah, that, that's what I don't get. <laughs> like I, I don't know. I, I see it in general, but I don't. Yeah, yeah, I see it in general. I just don't see like who they would like. Who who's who's on their bench right now? It's uh, Dylan Moore. No, Taylor Trammell. He's a lefty, so no. It the only other outfielder they have would be Dylan Moore, and yeah, he's a righty. But are you gonna? bat dylan moore he's he sucks winker's an elite hitter that's the thing he's an elite hitter so oh the batting average dip would be concerning because you're looking at a guy who had 305 last season so maybe and maybe it's 275 which is still respectable yeah still good yep and he's gonna lose some power i mean great american small park is named that for a reason gonna hit home runs galore i, I do think suarez has the power that can transcend this park like suarez doesn't have like fringe power he has big power so Suarez is one that I'm not really concerned about. Like he could hit for plenty of power. Um, what kind of average? I don't know, but he is going to be the team's everyday third baseman. Last year he was playing shortstop, which is a position that, that wasn't comfortable for him, which <laughs> that was I hilarious. Mean, it's, yeah. It's just laughable. It's so <laughs> stupid. It's just laughable. I mean, that's exactly what it is. So I, I don't know. I, I do think we see the average come up to what, I don't know, because you look at his trends from his career and the batting average just all over the board. So he could hit anywhere from from 200 or 198, as we saw, even up to uh, he hit 271 in 2019, 283 in 2018. Who even knows anymore? But the trend has not been positive. Swords is a tough one to predict, but there was some positive strides at the end of last season, and he's going late enough where he's intriguing, I think. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. If, if I need some power late – I've taken Suarez in a few. Like that dual eligibility is nice. The power is nice. I think the average could bounce back. I don't think he's a hit 200 every year, though. He has the last two years. So maybe this is what he is at this point. But yeah, I said Winker, I'm not worried about Platoon. Yeah, the average will drop. I guess I wasn't giving enough thought into the average. But like you said, even even if it's a 20 point drop, like 275, 280, still very good. I don't see him platooning. Maybe he gets, you know, the more days off than usual against a tough lefty. But again, Dylan Moore, I don't think is a eat into his at bats too much here. So, yes, downgrade for both, but I don't think it's I don't think it's quite as significant. Um, but Winker, actually, I don't think I have any shares of Winker. I like Winker, but I just think his where's his ADP been recently? It is one thirteen, which again, it's not bad, but in that range, I'd, I've been going uh, more so with like DJ LeMay, who I've gotten a few times that range, Mitchie Hanniger. I love and you see that video of him the other day man oh my Ooh. word like Hanniger looks like he's gonna go out there and hit 70 this year like he is absolutely just ripping him he's just Jack Kelnick too like there's a video today it was a report that Kelnick uh, who said a winker said that Kelnick looks like an NFL linebacker or running back yeah I say. yeah it's so insane. I'm I'm getting excited over here obviously about that but yeah Hanniger looks pretty good Kelnick's in that range too for outfielders so I think I've just been going other ways here but um, what's do we have any more trades here? Nope, that is gonna wrap us up here. Uh, anything else you wanted to add, Chris? Any moves that we forgot here? It's been a been a lot of them here. Yeah, I want to check and make sure nothing's happened, but I think that's that wraps us up. Yeah, I think that's what I was about to do. So hopefully nothing else happens later tonight. We will do another one of these, you know, when it when we get enough news to report on. Maybe that's early next week. We'll see. We still got a lot of names to be signed here. Carlos Correa, Chris Bryant, Trevor Story. Many more. Maybe the Reds trade another arm or two. Still a lot to go down here. So most likely we will have another one of these episodes. And we will be back on Friday 
as well for our third episode this week, talking our guys for 2022. Just the guys that at each position that we just were targeting heavily in drafts, whether it be a top 50 guy or a guy going 300 range. Uh, so that'll be a lot of uh, fun episode as well. But that is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at EricCross04. Chris is at RotoCleg. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ or over on Fantasy Pros or our Patreon. And join us again on Friday for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, you want to take care. fans. It's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MIAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MIAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Asbury, Methodist Village, and Montgomery County take senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal opportunity housing provider. I love the playoffs. Anything can happen. But the best part? It's like bonus football. And bonus football means betting bonuses with Gambit DC. For a limited time, get up to a 57% multi-sport parlay boost on the Gambit DC app, online, or at any Gambit DC retail location throughout the district. It's the most exciting time to be a fan. So make your play and get the whole field advantage with Gambit DC. Limited time offer, terms and conditions apply. Please buy responsibly. Asbury, Methodist Village, and Montgomery County take senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal opportunity housing provider.